0: You're listening to a DM podcast. All right, guys, welcome to episode 213 of the Talking with TK podcast. My special guest today is Darius Boyd. Darius is a two-time NRL Premiership winner who played 337 first-grade games across the Brisbane Broncos, Newcastle Knights, and St. George Illawarra Dragons. He played 23 games for Australia. He did not lose a single game and was also part of the most dominant Queensland side in state of origin history, where he played twenty eight games from two thousand and eight to two thousand and seventeen. Post footy, Darius is a mental health ambassador and facilitator. Welcome to the podcast, Darius Boyd. G'day, Darius.
1: Thanks, mate. Appreciate the kind words. Uh, nice, nice little lead in,
0: mate. It's it's been a stellar career, but you know it's one year now that you've been on the sidelines and you've been pretty busy mate you mean you know you've done a little bit of tv stuff you've done all the stuff in mental health and tell me what's it been like that first year out of footy? It's
1: been really good to be honest I mean uh, I've said a few times you never know how you're meant to feel when you retire and what it's meant to feel like um, but I feel pretty good I've had a few things going on um, a few downtimes, and a few um, I call it bored moments or not knowing where uh, what what's next? So, um, but overall, like you know, I feel really good. I've been really positive, positive um, you I've know, probably got the Broncos in the club to thank for you know, having a job there when we when I was finished uh, my career. So that kind of just seamless transition a little bit. Um, you know, go, go to the same facility, see the same faces, yeah. um, do similar work. It's just don't put the boots on the, on the weekends and um uh, have the pressure and expectation of performing uh, and performance. So there's been pros and cons to retiring. But, um, yeah, I've definitely enjoyed it so far and um, and seeing how I can, I suppose, um, put my tasks and my um, so, so strengths or weaknesses to whatever's next.
0: Yeah. Doris, how did you find it? Because, you know, in footy, you know, you've got your structure. They tell you where to be, what you're doing and all that sort of stuff. How did you kind of find going away from that sort of structured life?
1: Yeah, usually I've, I've spoken to a few guys that have retired and, and finished out of the sports and particularly the rugby league and most of the guys would say that's the camaraderie, the mateship and being around the group of men all, you know, every day, five, six, um, and then it just kind of falls off the radar. You go from being around everyone and, and seeing those same faces to kind of non-existent, you know, the, the text messages start, you know, slowing up, you don't hear from people as much and out of sight, out of mind type. But uh, like I said, for me, I'm lucky that uh, i am doing a lot of work I'm doing now currently um, while I was playing so that I feel like that... Um, the transition hasn't really changed too much and a lot hasn't dropped off. Um, as I said, I still see the same faces. I still go to the same place to work most days. I'm doing similar work. And although all, all I'm not playing rugby league, I'm doing a little bit of coaching and a lot of work in the mental health space, which is what I was doing um, when I was playing. So it's very similar. So I think that's made the transition for me personally um, you know, a lot more easier.
0: Nice. We'll touch on that a little bit later in the show. But let's start again, you know, your journey. Take me back to being a young Darius Boyd and how that shaped who you are today.
1: Yeah, I think it shaped me massively, to be honest. I mean, everyone's got a story, and my story's been pretty public, but um, yeah, I had some challenges in my childhood. Um, my father, um, uncle and grandfather passed away at an early age, only child. Uh, at 15, my mom was diagnosed with major depression, so um, I was jumping... Um, Sofas and couches, living, staying with uh, a friend, family friend for 12 months, then I moved with my grandmother uh, for probably the last two years of high school. Um, it wasn't easy, but I suppose at the time you don't really understand, you're a you know, teenage boy uh, just going through the motions and you make do, you don't know any different really. Um, it probably wasn't until my you know, early adult years, mid-20s mid that you probably, you know, um, you know you need role models, father figures, um, you start to, you know, feel the pressure and stress of being the adult paying the bills and living up to expectations and you know you can't um make a mistake and just put it down to being a kid anymore you've got to actually you know grow up and, and be yeah. an adult be a man uh, and i probably you know in my mid-20s probably i just realized that i wasn't being a man still i still had a lot of work to do on myself and so probably um come to terms with some of my past my childhood and something that i ended up putting my hand up and getting some help with my mental health and my well-being and yeah, best decision I've ever made. or something that I needed just to you know, have a break from life and understand um, me personally, my, my past, my childhood, um, what I wanted to achieve, you know, who I wanted to become as a person, um, family, friendships, all that type of stuff. So yeah, it's um, I look at it, I look back on it as a fond and a good experience because I think um, you know, everything that. Happens to you in your life does definitely does shape you and it's something that I'm you know, grateful that it's happened to me and it's shaping for the better.
0: Yeah, given the adversity, you know that you went through what you just described, you know, not knowing your father and then with your mother, unfortunately having the depression when you were fifteen. You know, now you've got three beautiful young girls. Was that always something that you wanted to do, be a parent?
1: Uh no, it's not something I've really thought about too much. I mean, when I was young, you probably just you know, for me. I just wanted to play rugby league and. Mm. That's all I wanted to do really is really had one idea, one goal and not much else uh, apart from that. So as you get older and you get more experience, you understand what life's all about. And you know, rugby league has been a big part of my life, but um, never going to be there forever and it's already finished. So you've got to have other life you know, aspirations and dreams. And um, as you get older and you, know, you start to look at family and have a lot around, I thought you know, for me personally, uh, the more, you know, not just kids, but just family or support people have around me, the better. Um, so I decided to grow my support network a little bit. It um, wasn't mum and dad and, and close you know, relatives. It was more so you know, um, you know mentors or coaches or um, you know, close friends. Um, and then obviously your support network and obviously my wife is a massive one. And then having you know, kids, um, one of the best things you can do in life is having your own family and, and going to have that love and support and share, and um, you know, I can you know, hopefully teach them some of the things I've learned uh, life lessons, whether it's gratitude or empathy, or whether that's you know, around um, things me personally, whether I want to um, you know, not let them go through the same suppose, pain or hardship that I had with not having a father and a mother being around in the la- later years. So, it's, it's the things you can learn and take and guidance and hopefully experience your little young ones to grow up in this crazy world that we're living in at the moment
0: yeah definitely mate i've heard you know kobe bryant he had all girls and he i think he referred to himself as a girl dad or something like that which and he just described all these amazing things because of the fact that he only had girls what's it like for you just for having three daughters
1: yeah i really enjoy it i think uh, when i first found out my wife was pregnant with our first natural reaction as a bloke. I think you always say, I hope it's a boy.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and now that I've got three girls, I'm, I'm really grateful to have three girls. I think um, you know, girls definitely soften um, men, and I think you, it brings out more emotions and um, the softer side in you, and I think it's definitely you know, helped me along my journey just in who I want to be as a person, having daughters in particular, um, but even just as far as, you know, seeing them interact with siblings, you know, I didn't have any siblings, so when you have, you know, three sisters, I'm sure, when they grow up, and even as they're growing up now, um, you see them interact and play and share and um, you know, go through hardships and emotions and success um, together and do it as you know, a little group of, of family and they can always lean on each other. They'll always have each other for support. Um, I think that's pretty special.
0: How old's your, del- your eldest, uh, Darius?
1: Uh, eldest is six and the youngest is six months.
0: Nice. So. Oh, so the eldest would have got to see you play footy heaps of times then?
1: Yeah, she definitely understands it a bit. Um Last couple of years, probably more so. More um, so, even I think just um, going to the game, she enjoys. There's you know, a couple other um, players that have their you know, sons and daughters that they, she gets to see. Yeah. Um, obviously, around it a lot. the work at the club, so I'd, you know, wearing all the you know, training clothes or polos and all the Broncos emblems and stuff like that. And um, if people ask for a photo or they you know, someone wants to say day. <laughs> uh, I think she you know, why did they stop you, dad or how many you got so many friends dad and i was like no nah, they just watch the broncos they really like the <laughs> broncos so i think she started to understand it slowly the last couple of years but probably more so um last two or three years and even the last 12 months now that i'm retired um i think she's enjoying it and understanding more about you know football and television and it's a bit of a strange world for a young kid but that's uh, all she knows really nah,
0: that's very cool man now t- talk to me about a little about rugby league and when you first picked up the ball how old were you
1: uh, I was about six, I think. Uh, I played rugby union my first um, season. Okay. Um, would have been under sevens, I think. And um, I was two-hand touch around the way, so I wasn't too keen on that. I wanted to play tackle, which um, I'm not sure why because I was never the biggest kid. But um, I think everyone. You know, I, go, I go to schools and do some work at schools these days and all they want to do, all they say is, let's play tackle, let's play tackle. So young kid, all you want to do is tackle. And uh, that was my um, thing I wanted to tackle. And rugby league was tackling and Maybe it was the next year, it was under eights, so I went to rugby league under eights, and yeah, I loved it, and never looked back, and um, the rest is history, I guess.
0: Nice, because you grew up around the Gold Coast, right? Did you float between a few different clubs?
1: Yeah, I was at the Gold Coast, um, started off at the Parkwood Sharks, I was there from I think eights to 11s, Um, ran out of a team there, went to, managed by Redbacks, 12s to 14s, Um, ran out of a team there as well, Um, just couldn't get numbers, so I uh, went to Burley Bears from 15s up until 18s, and then moved to Brisbane after that. So, yeah, a couple of different clubs. Um, There's always, you know, different age brackets. I think you start to, you know, kids drop off with girls and drinking and adolescence and other yeah. things, so it's always hard to keep teams. But, um, yeah, I got to move around a bit, which is probably you know, good for my personality too. As a young kid, I was pretty quiet and shy. It's so probably good to mix up, move around teams and probably get to, you know, meet new people and um, take on new challenges.
0: Yeah, Were you always like a very disciplined kid with your training and your eating and all that sort of stuff?
1: Uh, yes and no. I was very disciplined in certain ways, like on the field training-wise, um, you know, fitness, uh, wanting to give my best, um, hard work, you know, all those types of things. Um, but you know, diet, um, you know, stretching, uh, all the little things that come with it, probably yeah. not so much, especially when I first started um, in the NRL. I probably realised straight away that going to the Broncos and being around you know, Darren Lockyer and you know, um, Shane Webke and some of these kind of guys that um, with the amount of the prof- professionalism that they had um, the standards they drove mm. is you know, pretty exceptional and um, you know, I was someone that didn't mind KFC or you know a pie or a custard tart or something um, so as you get older I suppose you, you grow into that you can you know when I was a kid playing my own age group you can you can get away with that but when you get to the highest level, you know, stretching, ice baths, massages, you know, preparation, sleep, you know, diet, all that stuff is really, really important to get that next 5-10% out of yourself.
0: Yeah, Darius, you went to Palm Beach, Corumbin and I've always heard really, really good things about your coach there, Rod Patterson. Can you tell us just a little bit about his influence on your career?
1: Yeah, he was he was huge. He, um, I went to Palm Beach halfway through year 10, I went to Rabina High originally, and i got asked uh john o'keefe was uh the sports excellence coordinator i think at the time mm. uh he asked me to, i went to a, a, a rep trial um and he kind of asked me to jump across to palm beach and i thought you know, it was you know, awesome opportunity to go somewhere where they've you know, practiced and is you know, a subject basically and a really good opportunity to give myself a good chance to further myself as a rugby league player um yes yeah, so i went to palm beach rob patterson was the coach um Heard good things about him from other you know, players, and he coached a couple of different um, Australian schoolboys teams and eventually went on to coaching the um, Titans in the under 20s competition as well. Yeah. Uh, but he was really similar to Wayne Bennett in his, um, his personality, makeup, the way he cared about you know, the players or the kids at school. Um, you know, words of advice, words of wisdom. Um, he actually helped me uh, get to school most days. He got to organise another teacher, Steve Murphy, who's actually in the Parramatta Eels. Yeah. Organization for the last probably ten years now. Um, he used to drive me to school, pick me up from uh, block, a part on the highway in Mudjimba somewhere, and drive me all the way down to um, Palm Beach because he was coming from Helensvale. Um, so he used to pick me up most days and and drive me to school. So that was yeah, Rob Patterson. He you know, helped organize that. He helped me get to school. He helped me um, get my first Broncos scholarship. He had my first. He had a. He held a meeting at the school uh, with my with two or three player managers and helped me pick out the best manager to you know help me go further on with my rugby League career. So I was very lucky that I had him um, in my life and then I still keep in contact with him now, which is great. And we still try to catch up for a coffee and a feed here and there. Um, but, yeah, he was kind of like that father figure role model, you know, really good guidance in my life yep. um, early on in my school days. And then I was lucky enough to move to Brisbane and, and I met Wayne and Wayne kind of took over that role uh, for Rod.
0: Yeah, nice, mate. In terms of, you know, you just mentioned picking out between three managers, especially for a young kid, a young kid at 18, he's got the world at his feet. How did you kind of, who did you pick and then why did you pick him?
1: Yeah, it wasn't a hard decision in the end. Me personally, um, I've never been, uh, I'm probably a pretty quiet kind of guy, pretty, um, you know, keep to myself, pretty introverted a little bit, Uh, especially back then I definitely was and um, I met a couple, uh, the guy I ended up going with was an older older guy that kind of just didn't try to oversell himself, uh, wasn't trying to be my best mate, he just, you know, Basically said what he could do for me, how he could help, um, and I really liked that. Where there's a couple of others that I felt wanted to be my best mate. Probably okay. felt like you know, as soon as I was dating, they'd take me out for a beer and you know, all the other things that come with rugby league. Instead of you know the actual part of just being a manager and doing his best you know work for me and getting the best you know, contract or you know best you know, pair of boots or whatever he could possibly do. So I ended up going with someone that was a bit older and probably you know, more my style.
0: Yeah, nice mate. Now. During the chat I've got a, some various photos and also videos from different stages of your career but for the first one you know you, you just mentioned you mentioned him Wayne Bennett I hope that's just come on your screen now and talk to me about the first time you, that you met Wayne and kind of you know for him like for both of you because you went together for your whole career for so long of it but it seemed that it was a very mutual thing that you really liked each other's company and at the same time you won a lot together as well so can we take it back to the start though Talk to me about the first meeting with Wayne Bennett.
1: Yeah, I actually met him. Uh, he came down to our school at Palm Beach and ran a coaching um, little clinic with our, our school team. Um, yeah, he's one of those guys that when he walks in the room or even on the field, um, you know, you can hear a penny drop, everyone goes quiet, everyone's in awe, um, don't know what to say. goes quiet. Um, and whenever he speaks, you know, everyone just stops and listens and whatever he says, um, you know, you never forget what he says. It's just it's very powerful. So I think I remember that that day. Um, but otherwise, the other day when I first got up to the Broncos um, and just him just chatting to me about you know, injuries, my body, um, just how I've been, you know, talking about my grandmother, talking about my family, asking me different things about myself.
0: Mm.
1: And I thought that was pretty impressive straight away that this um, guy with so much success and so much aura about him and working at the best and, and, and ticked so many boxes at the highest level for such a long period of time. Cared about this 18-year-old kid from Gold Coast and about his family, um, his his life, his injuries, where he's been, what he wants to achieve, uh, and more importantly, most of us are away from the rugby league field. Is more about me as a person. Yep, uh, and that just says so much about Wayne and who he is and why he's been so successful for probably the last 35 to 40 years in coaching, is because he just generally cares about the individual. Um, and he knows that you know, most players that come to any organisation or any club or any sporting team for that matter they're obviously good at what they do um they're obviously there because they're talented but you know talent only takes you so far and the the other side of the game the mental side of it the caring uh, the culture the leadership you know the environment that's what really gets you the next level and gets you playing at a high level and i think he understands that better than most
0: yeah mate you just mentioned an important person in your life your nan talk to me a little bit about the impact that she's had on your life and kind of what that helped you instill in yourself moving forward
1: yeah, I think, you know, we were pretty close, you know, even from a young age. Um, like I said, I had a pretty small family growing up. And and then when, you know, family members weren't around for different reasons, you know, we'd become very close and she took me in those last few years. Uh, it wasn't easy, um, you know, getting a 70-year-old lady to mm. pack lunches and trying to get lifts to footy training or, or, or school. Um, I relied on bus, buses and uh, mates that were driving at you know, 17, 18 to get me around to different places. But, you know, we made it work. Um Really took me in time of need those last few years you know, got me on my way up to brisbane um always supported me i always rang her before every game come home down the coast as much as i could to spend some time with her and um, you know, she kept all my paper clippings had a lot of my jerseys hanging up in her, in her house uh, a lot of trophies back at her house as well so yeah pretty special bond but in a, in a strange way you know it's not you know it's more i suppose um grandmother and grandson bonds aren't probably as strong as other bonds you have in family, yeah. but ours is you know, very strong. She was, she was mum, dad, grandmother, sister, brother. She was everything for me. So it was, um, yeah a different bond, but something that you're know, very grateful to have a lot of a lot of time, a lot of fun memories.
0: Of her. Nice. She sounds like an incredible woman, mate. Now, moving on, your first grade debut, mate, I've got, actually got a, a couple of little clips from your first year and you scored some pretty cool tries, but your first grade debut was pretty amazing because you guys got spanked that day by the Cowboys at mm-hmm. Lang Park and I think it was 36-4 by... Memory in my research, but let me see if I can play you this pl- try that I've got. It was pretty cool, actually. But uh, before I put, I play this this video, Darius. How'd you? How did Wayne tell you that you'll be you're going to be debuting?
1: Um, gee, I can't even really remember to be honest, but I know that um, he left it like kind of late later in the week. I think he didn't want, um, and I think he's you know smart enough to know that he didn't want too much emotions, and um, I suppose and family and just the whole week build-up of it to get to a young kid's head um, or to you know, probably overrule the occasion. Um, but I trained really hard in the off-season. I worked really hard in um, the pre-season. I think you could see that. Um, but by no means did I probably um, outplay any other players in the position and on the wing that I was playing. There was a couple of other guys there that played a lot of first grade that he probably pretty could have put before myself. Um, but I think you just see my work ethic. Um, from a young age, I probably um you know i was very disciplined um as far as you know controlling of the footy um wouldn't make silly mistakes uh give away penalties uh i was pretty smart in my thinking around rugby leagues so i think he you know those are some of the characteristics that i know he he looks for and i think i showed that at a young age um albeit you know young and inexperienced. i think he thought you know give me a crack and see what happens and that's why i have a lot of respect and, and love and trust in wayne as well because you know he, he gave me that opportunity um he even gave me the opportunity to play in the grand final that season which he probably could have picked a number of different players yep. uh, he's always just shown you know, faith and trust in me and um, when someone does that it's pretty special and you always want to be able to repay that so it's something that I'm um, yeah, very grateful for what he's given me over the years on and off the field
0: Alright I found this video mate it's quite a bit of a cracker actually Seen that move so many times for the Brisbane Broncos. Berrigan with the ball. Out the back of the Mate, you could find the trial line for a young bloke. You really could.
1: Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, like I said, that first year we won the comps. So a pretty good team I was playing. Darren was passing the ball. Carmichael Hunt, Justin Hodges, Brent Tate. Um, I don't want to name them all because i have been missing so many. But <laughs> I think we had... Uh, 13 or 14 rep players in a 17-man team so it's, uh, it's pretty unfair when you think about that this day and age and salary caps and that but yeah to walk into a Broncos team well not walk in but to be a part of that uh, in my first year win a premiership with those kind of players um such a well experience my dream was to play one game for the Broncos so to get there do that and then you know, win a comp and then do everything else after that um yeah sometimes when you sit back and you think, why me? Or you think about you know, life and, and what it all means. Um, I'm very yeah, very grateful, honoured to be able to achieve some of the things I was able to achieve.
0: Mate, that training and in, in meetings and everything, like the standards, like was everyone always early doing extras? What was the standards like back then in the Bronx?
1: Yeah, it was a very very high standard, but great culture. I think obviously that's run by the head coach and it has to be run by the head coach, Um the buck stops with them. Um, so, Wayne obviously implemented that and drove that, and he'd been driving it for a long period of time. Mm. Uh, but then you also need senior players and leaders in the group to be able to implement it as well. It's all well and good if the coach has these ideas and structures and, and cultures, but and, and a good place you know, to come to work in a great environment. But you know, the leadership group and the, the senior players, those guys have got to be able to implement it, make sure that they're um, ticking those boxes as well. So, those young guys just want to follow in their footsteps. Um, not seeing any shortcuts or anything like that. So, um, you know, to walk in, again, like I said, with, you know, Darren Locker, Petro, you know, Brad Thorne, um, you know, Tony Carroll, Corey Parker, you know, so many yeah. great players there. Um, it's just yeah, pretty easy to kind of just, you know, shut your mouth and do your job, and that's kind of the mentality it was that, You know, back in those days. There's a lot more you know, younger guys coming to the NRL these days and a lot more talk about well-being and, um, you know, putting an arm around blokes and other things. But, you know, back then it was just, you know, shut your mouth, do your job and, and live up to the culture and expectations. And that's what, you know, I was trying to do.
0: Yeah, mate, young, I put a picture of a young Ben Hannett and yourself, a baby-faced Darius Boyd there as well. Yeah. Mate, how was the kind of the celebrations after? Did you guys have like a bit of a, you know, ticket tape parade around Brisbane and all that sort of stuff?
1: Yeah, I think um, we definitely went through the Queen Street Mall. on the back of um, like limousine I not limousines, um, Cars like that with the, you know, the roofs taken off. Um, just we we're doing a bit of a yeah parade, waving to the fans and taking the trophy around. So I'm assuming that photo there was back end of that after we went to Queen Street. Must have went to the SunCorp and did a little lap there with probably members and fans. Uh, I remember flying back from Sydney um, and they had a big stage at Red Hill at the training facility, and there's probably a couple of thousand fans there. We come back and you know sung the song and, and promoted the trophy and did that. Um, which was pretty cool. and um, Yeah, it's just one of those things when you really understand how much it means to people when you get to win a competition and you can actually share it with the fans afterwards, You know, whether that's that night of the game or whether it's the next next day, a you know, grand final week. Uh, we were coming out of the sheds at Red Hill and we couldn't even get on the field for 10 minutes because there's that many people there, fans and supporters, which us well for so the week that we had to get security to you know, make a pass so we could just get out on the training field and actually train. And that's when you really realise what it means to be, you know, in a grand final and then hopefully win it um, to not just yourself, your family and your closest support, but, you know, to fans that have, you know, watched rugby league and supported your team for, you know, 10, 20, 30-plus years.
0: Yeah, nice. Now, Darius, to so take me through a little bit of adversity now, your first bit of kind of rugby league adversity when the Broncos let you go and you had to find a new club. What happened in that whole thing and how did you come about choosing St. George?
1: Yeah, it was... Um, Bit of a challenge for me personally. I didn't understand you know, the business of you know, rugby league and professional sports. I guess um, I had a, I had a, in 2008, I left the Broncos, um, and I had a contract in 2009 there. Um, they signed a fair few out new players. Wayne had already decided to go to the Dragons. Yep. Uh, I told my manager I wanted to stay. Uh, he said the Broncos weren't going to offer me uh, a, a new deal or extended deal. But uh, I said that's fine. I'm happy to stay. I want to stay. The you know, Broncos is my favourite club. Supported them since I was a little kid, and and uh, you know, they gave me my opportunity so I wanted to stay um, and then Wayne kind of grabbed me one day so he obviously knew more than he was letting on and he knew something I didn't he just told me to go have a talk to the footy manager there and see what their plans are for me and so I went and did that um, and the footy manager at the time just said yeah look you're, you're playing good football I just played State of Origin that year he said we um, have got a contract for next year um, but we, we won't re-sign you after that so you might as well leave now um, while you have the opportunity, while you're playing good football, you're injury-free, you play the state of origin because um, there won't be you know, a position here for you after 2009. Um, so it kind of left that meeting very disappointed and not really understanding how it all works, but kind of just, you know, for me, uh, I was big on trust. I was big on relationships just because I hadn't had a lot of that in my childhood. Um, and we always in, in life, I think we all want to feel wanted and appreciated mm-hmm. and respected and... I probably lost that feeling straight away um, not to be told you not wanted even though i had a contract there um so i think i went down and spoke back to spoke to wayne he kind of probably had a few tears and in, in my eyes he kind of just said you can come with me and that's kind of where our bond i think really really started you know he obviously helped me out a lot for the couple of years while i was in brisbane um but once you know he just helped me out with that opportunity it was later in the season uh, most teams um they filled up their rosters sonny bill left the Bulldogs' late to go over France and play rugby union, um, so an opportunity opened up there. That was kind of my only two options. Like I said, it was later in the season, um, but I was always going to go with Wayne. I said I knew Wayne; he, you know, helped me out. He'd been helping me out for the last few years. Asked me to come. Um, I thought I could be a better player under him, but I thought so I could also be a better person under him as well. Um, so it was an easy decision in the end, but at the same time, yeah, it was very. Disheartening, challenging and a bit of a struggle to leave Brisbane. Um, uh, place I'd all you know, been I'd never really I've been on a plane once or twice before, apart from footy games, i have never really been to Sydney too much. Yeah. But I move all the way, you know, move away from my grandmother, move away from closest friends and family. Um, but at the end of the day, I've always I changed schools when I was 16, 15 to you know, realise my dream, hopefully play in RL. Uh, so my mentality was always, you know, while well, I have a short span to play rugby league, I was always gonna do whatever I could to, you know, maximise that and that it happened to be with the opportunity
0: with Bane. Yeah. Now, Billy Slater, there's no doubt that he is the GOAT in terms of fullback play. But when you arrived at the Dragons and you kind of changed the way all fullbacks played because you would sweep, you would throw those cutout balls. Like, your try assists were just through the roof. And your combination with Jamie Soward and Ben Hornby was a huge factor in the Dragons winning that premiership. But talk to me a little bit about the strategy because that was very, very new back then in terms of the fullback becoming a ball player. And you just adapted so well to it. Talk me through that.
1: Yeah, I think I can really take credit. I think, you know, I think Billy was doing a little bit of that and other players have done in the past. But I think Carmichael Hunt was probably the first to really come in and, and really start to do that sweeping you know, three on two out the back. Um, he used to, he was great too. He used to take some of us younger fellows at the Broncos Um, through some extra work and some Mm. ball playing, center wing fullback work, um, quick hands, three-on-two drills, just the little things you do. So I learned a lot off him. Um, But originally, yeah, Wayne took me down to play center at the Dragons. Um, Mark Gasnia went overseas to play rugby. Uh, So right center position was open. Um, Wendell Steyler was still there. Uh, which was cool because, uh, Wendell was a bit of my idol growing up. I told him that, so I got to play with him my last year. Um, he doesn't need any, any pump in his tyres, but I did it anyway, and he enjoyed it, but it was cool to play with Wendell. But you know, Wayne kind of said when we got there that you know, only two positions in the back line that were safe was you know, Wendell on one wing and Matt Cooper in the centres, and everyone else was up for grabs. So I trained at centre and fullback uh, for the whole pre-season. Uh, Brett Morris trained at full-back as well, um, and I just think, you know, Wayne wanted that you know, sweeping passing type fullback. And you know, Carmichael missed a few games here in Brisbane, um, here and there in Brisbane. So I filled in a few times and did an okay job. And, um, you know, Brett Morris is definitely a runner. And he's, you know, everyone knows how great Brett Morris was as a player, oh. um, predominantly on the wing. Um, and I think, you know, he's definitely, a, when he played fullback, more of a supportive fullback role um, and more of a, you know, try-scorer up the middle type, where I think Wayne just wanted more of a guy that sweeps at the back and you know, more of a creating-type full playing fullback, and I seemed to take well and better to that, I suppose, game plan than what Brett Morris did. So I uh, ended up starting the year at fullback, um, and, and Brett Morris played on the wing, and that's kind of how we finished up for the last couple of years
0: there. Darius, I found this on YouTube the other day, and I remember being at this game. This was this was brilliant. With the ball. Oh, he- Yeah, good, mate. Like, seriously, your your ability to read that because you've done that a fair few times in your career as well. Like, talk to me a little bit about kind of the way you read defenses and things like that.
1: Yeah, well, it's funny you say that. I got um, got crucified a couple of times in the late, back end of my career because I tried it and didn't got, didn't come off. So <laughs> it's one of those things that it goes both ways. Your last on defense, you, you have a, you know, probably two or three second decision to make whether you're gonna. You know, hang back and let you know the rest of your guys kind of catch up and catch them from behind if it's a forward if they're slow um if they're not do you rush them and try and make them make a decision they don't want to make do you try and fake the decision and pretend you're going for them and you really go for the intercept or knock the ball down so you got you know three or four decisions to make in a really short space of time um you know that one was just i just tried try my luck you know they had about five or six guys coming up ben barbers on one side so i know that he got the ball we're going to score um, I tried my luck and it worked. And it, yeah, it worked really well. I wasn't, you know, just to knock it down or just to stop it from scoring is, 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 is a huge play. Um, but to actually catch it and be able to run the other way and score, you know, that just, you know, they, you talk about big plays in, in, in games. Um, and yeah, I've been in plenty of games where a moment like that can really break a team. And, you know, when you think back to that game that they scored there, they were coming home pretty strong. Um, but once I scored that try, it probably just broke their back and that was game over for them.
0: Yeah, now moving on just wanted to talk to you about Again, I found another clip And I remember this quite well Because it was publicised quite well And this was about media And I've, I've listened to you recently talk about How you had a negative relationship with the media I'll just play you this clip And then we can kind of just move on from it from there It's the Broncos, mate Excited about the uh, place the mate? Yeah, can't wait about excited? Yeah Did oh. you watch him play last week? No, I didn't Now, Darius, I know that you didn't have. Uh, I know that you don't. You don't have social media. You're a very private person. And a recent podcast that you had, you talked about you googling yourself and actually blacklisting some journalists that said bad things about you. Can we talk about like your relationship with them back then?
1: Yeah, it was just something that, you know, like I said, probably a bit of a prickly character in certain ways, probably from my childhood, and just I had certain dealings with media around. Being on a media band and trying to talk to you, or you know, chuck a little you know, mic in your face and pretending they didn't know you were on a media band. Wayne puts, or used to put, you know, first year rookies on media bands. So my yeah. whole first year, I didn't speak to anyone. Um, and I had one, journo come out through a game, you know, chatting, chat, hey, man, that was awesome, great game. You know, win, blah, blah, blah. I was like, yeah, it was awesome. I just thought he was t- chatting to me like a mate. And then kind of looked down, there's this little you know, recording device going on. And I was like, oh, you're not recording, are you? He's like, He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, I'm not allowed to do media. Like, oh, that's right. Sorry, mate. Yeah. I was like, uh, yeah, you know, it was just, you know, then my grandma you know, was my only family member. I was in contact with it for a long period of time. I cut ties with my mum for about eight years. Um, so they, you know, um, media would start to ring um, my grandmother when I was first deciding whether I was going to go, leave Brisbane and go to the Dragons. They'd ring her up and try and get it, like something out of her. Um, then I remember reading in the paper that, they said I was down um, visiting Wollongong when I was actually in origin camp. Like, just all these little things that weren't quite true. And for me, I'm just someone that has been burnt so much that i took me a long time to really let people in and trust them. Um, and at the end of the day, I wanted to play rugby league because I loved the game, not for the, the media to spotlight money or anything else. I just wanted to play because I loved it and was so passionate about it. And I had to realise and change my thoughts, obviously, later in life about understanding that you know, media and that, side of the business grows the game and that's what puts so much money into yep. the game it, it's for the fans it's for everyone it's just not just for the players but at the same time you know i think a lot of players play the game and you do have to play the game but i don't think a lot of players enjoy that side of of professional sports um but yeah it was something that before social media was around i was very worried about what other people thought about me and you know, again and, criticism whether it was constructive or not um, so i used to google my name you know, you know more than once a day probably wow very negative mindset not a bad space not a good space to be in obviously but that was just where i was at at the time and um if i ever you know come across a negative article or whoever wrote the article you know just you know strike them off the list not talking to them not talking to them um so it's probably you know the reason i did one of those interviews that you just showed i remember going to origin camps we'd have a media day It'd just be you know all 20 players in this one room with. You know, Thirty journalists and news crews to just get the media done for a whole week. You're in Origin camp, and I'll just sit in my room back at the hotel and not, wow. not, not participate at all. And you know, Origin um, media manager will go, "Yeah, you guys know Darius by now. He just won't be here, so just just take it as it is." That's just kind of the way it was for such a long time, and with that comes criticism, more criticism. It probably comes you know, some um, angst with fans too because they're not hearing me, and they probably they ha- get to make up their own opinion. Uh, whether they think I'm a good person or not. or um, So it was just a negative spiral that I you know, got too big in the end and something that um, I just needed to change.
0: Yeah. Queensland origin, and I've got some really good clips to play from you from your first game. But the first one is, you know, when you first selected, that that spirit that you guys have in Queensland, like I'm New South Welshman, it drove me nuts because you just won year after year after year. But there's something special about what the bond is between your whole team. Can you describe those first moments, you going into camp?
1: Yeah, I think it's again. Like I said before, with the Bronx, it's similar in any level. Uh, I think it's you know run by the head coach and um, Melmaninga was the coach when I started, and um, you know his aura and and what he'd done um, in the game as a player and now as a coach. Um, when I started, it was the third year of their run, um, 2008. So they already won a couple of series in a row. They're probably starting to get um, that bond and confidence together, um, starting to get. Um, Special you know, the spine together camaraderie. I mean, Cameron Smith had played for a while by then. Uh, Darren Lockyer was obviously there. And JT had uh, arrived on the scene as well. Uh, Billy was around. Uh, Those core group of guys, um, and then just putting you know, good players and good people around them. And I think with Queensland, it worked out in our way, in our advantage way. You know, we didn't always have a lot of players to choose from, and mm. I think that sometimes kept us in a very close bond because we didn't choose from a lot of. As many players as New South Wales could, so we always, you know, we always, we always you know, pick and stick. Um, but that mentality, I suppose, you know, gave us a bond that you know you just want to work hard for your mate and never let, let each other down. Because um, there's a, a privilege and honour to always wear that jersey, and you always felt like you could um, trust in, in the jersey and be respected. That your job would be good enough to get it done, and you'd be there again. Where sometimes I think sometimes. You know, New South Wales, you lose one game, you can look over your shoulder, you, you go on and pick the next bloke. And sometimes, you know, looking over your shoulder and not going into a game with, you know, whether you have a bad game or not, which we all do, no one's perfect, that you'll be there next week and you have you can make amends. And mm-hmm. I think we, we had that mentality. We kind of knew that you can have a bad game, it's all right. Cause, you know, it's it's one bad game, but you won't, you won't let it happen again. And sometimes I think, you know, other teams or different coaches and you have... Different players you can choose or kind of you know, short term thinking. You kind of just you know, pick someone and go next, next, next on the rank kind of thing. So, yeah, but this that bond, I think comes, like I said, it comes from Mal. um, senior players Darren Lockyer, Petro, Steve Price was there, um, when I was back at the start of my origin career, back end of his, um, just some leaders in the group that run, run that. And then it's just an amazing experience as far as you know, the build up from the media, the build up from fans, you know, the whole competition kind of stops in the NRL. Uh, everyone's talking about Origin. Um, you know, fans, uh, your, your family, uh, you know, ticketing—just the way it's just done. It's next level. You know, when you first play NRL, you think that you get looked after as an NRL player and get you know, free stuff and massages and all these cool things when you're a young kid. And then you go to you play Origin, and then it just goes up again. It's boxes of you know night clothes and other gear. You get more you know, Origin jerseys. You get tickets. You get rooms for your family to come and stay. There's all these. They're little things, but it's just all these extras. You're just made to feel like whatever you need to get the job done is, is necessary and as possible. And uh, everyone there has the common goal just to look after you and make sure that when it comes to game day, you have no other distractions or pressure other than just to play your best football. And, and Mel drove it, the senior players drove it, and everyone around it. It's just a you know, special time in, of the year.
0: Nice. Now, mate, I've got some more highlights, and I just want to talk to you about this incredible combination that you had. A couple of times in his most recent origin matches said earlier, ready the hit deer tonight. Quickly across the line, Harrison on, English with the, fin, the big fish from English. steps over the 40, over the 30, draws the last line, and Darius Boyd will go all the way. Queensland get the first try of the night. on the bench so, in this game. So. chance for Queensland, man. English is sprinting inside the 30. He's got the full penalty. Darius Boyd, he will get a double up, Mate, old Quinny didn't miss you there at the end. He got you a good one in that last try. But, mate, that combination you had with Greg Inglis—one of the greatest left edge combinations of all time. But his ability, like those two balls that he gave you at the last minute to pass left—that, no, I don't think anyone else could do it. Like, talk to me through that combination you had with Greg. Yeah,
1: I've um, probably had a bit of criticism over the years in that space too. Because as you just showed, I didn't really have to do much to catch a ball and dive over, but. Um, yeah, very lucky to play on the end of that backline. You know, GI and 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 JT inside me for ten years, basically. Um, so, pr- two probably immortals of the game to have them inside you and run on the back of them. Um, it makes my job a lot easier. Um, but yeah, like I said, GI is a special athlete. He could. He was fast. He's hard enough to you know, catch him. Uh, he's a big guy. He could, as you see in that first clip, he pushed two guys around like they were playing. He's playing under twelve. Uh, and then the skill level, you know, to play, you've had a number of positions at, at club level, he won a grand final at five, eight. he won a grand final at fullback, he played for his country in the centres. Um, and to look right and pass left, you know, that's, it's very skillful um, and someone that's got um, that his speed and his strength, most people, those type of athletes don't really have the skill level to be able to do that because they've never needed to do it. Uh, but Gio had it all and, you know, it's, it's sad that his um, career ended probably... A little early with with injuries and so on, but um, yeah, he's a special player and great to play outside of.
0: Yeah, mate. You know, you talked about the group being together for so long. In terms of you guys clicking and knowing what each other does on the field, how how long did that all take to kind of come in sync?
1: Uh, that's a good question. I think you know we were lucky that, like I said, the pick and stick mentality really helped, and our, our spine was very you know, set. And when you talk about spine; it's you know, number seven, six, nine, and one, and. Um, you know when you know, it was Darren Lockyer and, and JT in the halves, Cameron Smith um, was hooker and, and Billy was fullback. You know, Carmichael played a few games there at fullback as well in the early days. Um, but you know when and when Darren Lockyer left, like, like Cooper Cronk come on, and mm. we all know how good Cooper Cronk is and was. So um, we didn't really miss a beat. So I mean, it's you have those four guys. They're four of the best players to you know, ever lace up a boot playing in those positions in the key positions of rugby league. Then. You, you, you're always going to be successful. You're always going to you know, be in a, in a game. You're never going to be out of it. So to have those four guys, you know, basically, like I said, running the show, being around, you know, a lot of times in camp, you know, Mel was great at this as well, but it wasn't about running us ragged. It wasn't about doing fitness. It wasn't about invent, reinventing the wheel. It was literally about rest and reco- recovery. Mm. We've already been playing probably 10 rounds of the season. Guys are coming in a bit banged up, a bit injured. Um, Origin is usually 10 days. So the one thing I loved about Origin the most was that I felt, more recovered and more refreshed by the time the origin game come around because we did walkthroughs in plays we walk through a few things we might get a team sheet of just to remind ourselves about certain plays uh we'd run to the same plays we might tweak them a little bit um, we, we, were, we were able to do that because we pick and stick the same team we had the same four guys basically playing in the spine who called the shots who talked the team around the park and then mel would make sure that we were rested we were recovered so we were ready to put our best foot forward on those wednesday nights and it was a really good recipe that really worked well for a long period of time
0: nice now Darius, i'm going to take you a little bit away from footy and if you're comfortable enough about speaking this that'd be fantastic but if not that's cool as well you know you checked yourself into a mental health clinic in at i think you were 27 at the time like just from listening to a lot of people speak about mental health like it does seem that it, it is very very difficult to make the first step to get help kind of how did you take yourself on that journey and that was very brave to do that. Can we can we talk about that if that's cool with you?
1: Mm, yeah, no, more happy to talk about it. something I enjoy talking about now. It's it really I look back as a great experience? I wish I did it when I was seventeen not twenty seven, mm. but um, you know, got to where I got to. I'm glad I did it. When I did, and um, you know, could have never never made that opportunity, uh, made that made that decision or taken that opportunity. Um, but yeah, for me, um, yeah, I knew I was probably different characters probably the best way to put it some people would say arrogant or shy quiet or disrespectful you could say whatever it was whatever you thought it was but for me personally i just had a really closed mindset probably pretty negative one as well like i said i'd strike anyone off the list that i felt did wrong or criticized me um i didn't want to meet new people i didn't trust people easily didn't want to let people into my life Wanted to be very private and that's a very negative way of thinking but that, that was just me and where i was at the time um it was, when I went to Newcastle, I started to have some bigger struggles and really understanding I was probably going through some tough times. Um, you know, rugby league was my life. It was number one everything else was number two. And that's the way it was since I was a little kid, probably because of my childhood. And um, that was great in the early years. one a comp with the Broncos, one a comp with the Dragons. So majority of the time, life was good because football was good. Uh, Newcastle you know, wasn't going to plan. Uh, we weren't as successful as I would like us to be. I wasn't playing as well as I would, would have liked to. Uh, That comes with criticism, stress, and pressure, and then my life started to fall apart around it. So uh, my wife was originally the one that said, look, I think you need to go to see someone. You need to talk to someone. This is not normal. You're not in a good headspace. Uh, So I was seeing a psychologist for probably two years um, prior to checking myself into the mental health facility. Mm -hmm. Uh, But because my wife was the one that kind of not pushed me but um, expressed that desire or need, uh, it wasn't coming from within. So you, I've always said, you've got to want it for yourself. You can go to a mental health facility. You can go get you know, help and, and whatever you need, but you've got to want it and you've got to be able to action it too. And for me, I was I was going, I wasn't obviously going enough, but I probably was going for the wrong reasons, thinking, you know, what's wrong with me? Why does she make me do this? What's, you know, why am I, am I not good enough? Instead of actually going, I need to make a change. Mm. Uh, I need to be better. I need to learn. I need to grow um so yeah two year period it just wasn't enough it wasn't working i felt like me personally had 10 things to talk about in an hour session once a month when i could fit into my schedule you know my grandmother was back in uh, the gold coast um trying to get into aged care living i was a power of attorney so trying to help you know, pay for her bills and um eventually you know sell her house that so she could move into an aged care facility uh, i was having problems at the club i wasn't playing well my form wasn't great uh, Alex McKinnon, one of my best mates, mm. uh, his spinal injury uh, for the Knights, which was a challenge. Um, you know, long list of things, like I said, 10 things to talk about with an hour to talk about them. Um, and then at the end, you know, my life was the last, like was a breaking point for me just said, look, this is not a great relationship for me to be in. I can't do this anymore. Um, but she left and that was kind of the realisation that when I really looked around looked about my life, where I'm at, where I'm heading, me as a person, you know, I looked at old photos of me around my house to see this young little kid with a footy ball in his hand, smiling or laughing or wearing a Broncos jersey or whatever it was. And I was like, where's that, you know, happy kid gone? Because I'm just you know, angry, sad, emotional, yeah. um, arrogant, closed off, whatever you want to call it, person. And I don't know where this young happy kid's gone. And I had my wife had left, um, not a lot of friends around, living in a Um, Living in Newcastle where I was only there to play footy and that wasn't even going well. I was like, what am I I doing with my life? And that was kind of the realisation where I didn't know what was wrong. didn't know why I was feeling the way I was feeling. But I knew I needed to make a change and do something. Um, So I rang my footy manager and just said basically how I'm feeling and what I wanted to do. And he suggested a mental health facility. And I think three or four days later, I checked in and that was the best thing I ever did.
0: Wow. Now... work for the last week we've been recording a few of us put our hands up because it's men's international week i think in the next couple weeks so we've got a great group of girls and they have a lot of women's stuff going on at work but they wanted us to do some men's stuff and just have a couple questions i wouldn't mind getting your opinion on it one of the the great questions was uh they asked us and they asked what are three things that men can do to stay mentally healthy
1: yeah it's a good question i don't think it's men i think it's just everyone in general but um there's a couple of pillars that you know, when i was in the clinic we really worked on and there's there's five that we really worked on They were you know, gratitude empathy uh your support network uh there's exercise and mindfulness so they're things i already you know really harp on and talk about now they're self-care strategies i guess but different ways you can implement them and practice them and, and really just have them in your you know, daily weekly monthly routine uh, so for me you know, i wasn't grateful you know, i had so many things to be grateful for in my life. I'd, When I went checked into the mental health facility, I played for Queensland, Australia, won a couple of grand finals, um, had a roof over my head, Uh, I was living my dream. My grandmother was still alive, uh, my wife, a couple of dogs, I had all these things to be grateful for, yet I couldn't see it. I was focused on uh, my form, uh, the team's performances, um, my mum and our relationship not being great, Uh, my grandmother needing help. I was focused on the negatives instead of the positives. So just practising gratitude um, in the clinic was taught to write in a gratitude journal. Um, might have heard about that before, but maybe writing three things you're grateful for each and every day for at least 21 days mm-hmm. um, can be a really positive mindset change from negative to positive. Um, I'll just touch on two more. So the other ones that I would like the most, gratitude is one, uh, your support network. And again, for me, I had to grow mine. Uh, you know, my football coach, you know, Wayne, was obviously one of my football manager, uh, still keep in contact with a nurse that I met in the facility. She's like a second mother to me. Um, my mortgage broker is one of my best mates now just from meeting him that way he's 15 20 years older than me but he's got some good experiences and we get along really well um, so just understanding and having support people it doesn't have to be you know, close friends and family it might be extended people or people you can trust and count on um, and then the last one is empathy or you know having a kind heart caring or doing something for somebody else um you know, random acts of kindness charitable giving those type of things um you know, might have some low self-esteem where you're struggling with you know, your identity then doing something for someone else and having a greater cause is you know, really amazing for that. And not only to mention you're going to help improve your you know, self-esteem, but you're going to be obviously helping somebody else at the same time. So it's, it's really a win-win. Um, so for me, I had a plan about getting out of the community, going back to my junior rugby club, going back to my former high school, um, whether I was, you know doing uh, signing autographs, doing clinics with the kids or whether I was, you know, running some resilience workshops and through schools. Um, but just doing things that make you feel good about you and, and making sure that you know that you're a valued person in your community and and you're a good person, I think that's you know, really key. So those three things are things that you know even today I still talk about and I still try to implement, you know, in my daily life.
0: Yeah, I love that mate. Now the next question was pretty cool too. It's what masculine traits do you most admire?
1: What was that? Sorry, I missed that.
0: What masculine traits? do you most admire? So for me, I'll tell you what I did and then you can come off the back of that. I did leadership, empathy and also a growth mindset.
1: Mm -hmm. That's a good question. I've been asked that before. Um, I'd definitely take two of yours. I I love growth mindset and I love empathy. Uh, They're things that, you know, I always try to look at things, situations as, you know, glass half full um, or what can I learn from this or how can I be the best version of myself? Um, I think that's a really important quality and trait to have. Um, yeah, empathy is definitely another one. Um, and caring for others, giving back, helping—I really enjoy that. Um, uh, for me, probably, I'll just probably go back to would probably support network as well. I yep. think just as far as you know, leaning on people in times of need and, and you know, friendships. And you think about COVID and, you know, the times we are in, in at the moment. I think that's really awoken people to understand how important you know relationships and your know, social mental health is and connections are and whether that is you know your closest family or your best mate or you know, going for a coffee or going for a walk um you know whatever you enjoy to do but uh, have those you know, social connections that support network um, not just for the, the negative times but you know when you're kicking goals and you, you're being successful they're there to pat you on the back and, and celebrate with you as well so
0: that was probably three for me. Nice. All right, Darius, final question now. This is just a light-hearted one. You've got five invites to a private dinner party. Now, your only rules here, no family or friends, but you can invite anyone dead or alive. Who's Darius Boyd inviting to dinner?
1: Um, that's a hard question too. Um, no friends or family. Um, Tom Brady would be one. You're a I big NFL like guy. Um, yeah, I do. I love it. Um, well, I, was, I grew up, obviously, rugby league was my thing. and I really loved it, studied it, watched it, followed it so much. And then once you start to play, you probably I try to get away from it a little bit. Um, and then NFL kind of become my thing. Um, so I really enjoy NFL, play fantasy. I watch most games. Do you play to fantasy too.
0: At, nice.
1: Yeah, I used to set an alarm at 2.55 to make sure my team <laughs> at 3 a.m. every morning was solid and set. And, and if I was awake, I could stay up and watch a couple of games.
0: Who do you, who do you um, support, so yeah, Tom mate? Tom
1: Brady's. Uh, not so much teams, probably players. I used to, I've been, I've seen um, Seattle Seahawks play yep. uh, in San Francisco. I used to like, still like Seattle. Russell Wilson's a gun player and I enjoy yeah. watching them. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, I've always liked them as well. Um, and then now, I'm probably bandwagon following Tampa Bay for Tom <laughs> Brady. So, um, but yeah, so Tom Brady would be one. Um, probably Will Smith. I think he's pretty cool and very um, motivational as far as. Obviously, what he's done as an actor, but some of these, you know, speeches and the things he says and does, I think is pretty uh, amazing. Probably Dwayne Johnson, The Rock as well. Again, very similar, uh, inspirational. Um, some of the things he's been able to achieve in different aspects of his life, whether it was being a college, you know, NFL player to um, a wrestler at the highest level and now probably the highest paid actor in, in the world at the moment. Um, five, I'm struggling. Um Oh, again probably you know Michael Jordan. Yeah. Probably just an easy one, but um, someone again at the highest highs. Um, someone that's you know one of the richest sporting athletes to ever play the game and that's been more he's earned more out of his, you know, brand than what he's earned from uh, playing basketball and so he's obviously, you know, smart businessman, entrepreneur as well. Um and I'll probably have to throw a woman in there for sure. So Probably say, again, sport-related, but uh, Serena Williams. Nice. Because, yep. again, highest of highs. Um, I want to see her win one more um, championship. I think she will equal Margaret Court's Grand Slam record if she wins one more. Um, and also she'll she'll be doing it after she's had her first baby too. So she hasn't won one since she's had a baby. Um, so you know, I'd love it to see her win one more Grand Slam, equal the record, and be able to do it after having a baby. That think be pretty special.
0: How goes it to see, like, the older the athletes older, like Brady's 45. I think Serena's going on late 30s, 40s now. Like to see them continue to yeah, dominate and just do it and just give it to these youngsters that are like 18, 19 years old at some, in some situations. Like it's amazing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think even when I left out, I, I really love I love Roger Federer as well. I think yeah. he's done in tennis such a long period of time. He's, you know, in my opinion, he's the greatest tennis. But yeah, I think a lot of those people that I just spoke about as well, they're probably, you I don't know them personally, obviously, but just, you get the vibe that they're better, just as good if not better people off the field than yeah. they are on the sporting pitch, and I think that's what says a lot about you know, certain people, in or, you know, whether that's movie stars or athletes or whoever you're talking about, is that you know, they're obviously good in their profession, in their field, uh, but mostly those ones are the best of the best, usually are probably just as good if not better people off of it, and I think that says a lot about you know, that the person's character and their makeup, and uh, the person
0: they are yeah well said mate well thank you so much for coming on the show thanks for sharing all the stories some really valuable advice when it comes to mental health as well and i uh, wish you all the best i know you got your sas stuff coming up and all the mental health stuff that you're going on so all the best of luck for the rest of the year mate and great to connect and hopefully we can do it again sometime
1: yeah, good, mate. appreciate having me on cheers